All right, this is Jared. I'm back. Lefty's Precision Rifle Podcast. I got Greg back on with me again. He's on here last time, so I wanted to have him come back on. I got Jake Jake Schurz on. Welcome, guys. Thanks for coming on. How's it going? Good, good. So I want to get on here. You guys started doing, we talked a little bit earlier, but you guys started doing something a little different than what I was used to and I think other people are used to as far as getting your rifles ready for a match. And what you do the day before, basically the Friday before, checking dopes. I want to kind of go over that, and give other people options, and let let other people know how the the pros are doing it and the champ is doing it. So we'll get into it first. Either one of you go go first. But what what do you guys do to get ready? Make sure your gun is ready. We were listening to the podcast with uh, Austin Bushman on Miles to Matches. Greg and I were on the way down to that match, and he talked about he he went to a match once and was was iffy about his rifle, said he'll never do that again. So kind of what what do your guys' rifle have to be shooting within or what what's the parameters that you're comfortable with your rifle and you're ready to go before a match? You want to touch on that, Greg, or you want me to go first? Or? You can go first. I mean, we got almost probably identical processes, so. Well, um, usually what I do is I don't care what speed it's running at as long as I'm not showing any pressure signs. I'm not having any hip, heavy bolt lift, any kind of issues that way with everything running the way it should mechanically. Um, the first thing I do is I check my zero. I might, I might run a speed check if I'm, if I'm, uh, uh, Doubting my, my bullet speed, think it's maybe slowed down, sped up, way off. Other than that, I don't care what speed I'm running. I'll shoot my rifle at zero or at 100 yards, excuse me, zero at 100. I don't zero out elevation necessarily if, if it's been running, if it's been running true and I felt it was running true at the last match. The only thing I'm looking for there is, is a wind change. I will zero out my windage just to make sure I know that's zeroed out. Then I immediately, I'll go to 900 yards. That's where my range, as far as I can shoot at my place, at my range. So I'll, I'll shoot a group at 900 yards and I'll see where my dad is lining up there at 900. And usually, usually it's within a 10th every time and I'm running the Hornady Ford off program on a Kestrel so I'll adjust my axial form factor at 900 and make that line up really true on that water on that water line at 900 then I go to 600 and I check it at six I'll shoot a group at six see how that's lining up at six and I'll shoot it at 300 and if it's lining up it's at three, six, and nine, after I change axial form factor, I leave everything alone. Now, if that's if that was a tenth high at 900, and I changed my axial form factor and I went to 600, I didn't. Let me take that back. If I didn't change my axial form factor, I went to 900. I noted where that was running on that water line. I went to 600. I know where that's running at 600 and I know where it's running at 300. If everything's a 10th off, I'll change my zero a 10th. If it's off at nine, it's, it's really close at six. 
and it's really close at three, I'll change my axial form factor and get that back on at nine and then run that back through six and three and make sure everything's lined up. But if it's on at nine and it's off a little bit at six or three, then I'll adjust my speed, my feet per second on that. And then once, once my data's lined up that in that direction, I mean, I'm really comfortable with everything, you know, then I know that ammo is still going to work from my last match. That's, that's when I, I'll load ammo for, for the match I'm going to shoot in a, you know, a couple days. So that's, that's how I go about it. Um, right or wrong. I mean, that's, that's in a nutshell, pretty much what we learned it, you know, through JTAC, a lot of that came, came out of JTAC. And, and I mean, I use Greg for some, if I get confused or whatever, I'll call Greg up because Greg's, Greg's the pro. I mean, he, He's a reloading fool. He's a ballistics fool. He, I mean, he's just a lot more technical than I am when, you know, when it comes to load data. So that's, that's how I go about it. it. seems to work out. All right. How about you, Greg? So my, my whole process is pretty similar. I, th I do it a little bit backwards than what Jake does, but it, we end up with the, essentially the same result. Um, as far as I'm concerned, a labradar, well, a labradar is the chronograph that I use. A labradar is only good for me at low development time, and I'm just doing that to check a speed. Um, I generally, you know, we're a lot of, well, most guys are shooting a BR-based cartridge around, you know, 2,800, 2,900, sometimes slower, sometimes faster. So I know kind of where I should be so I don't have any problems in terms of, um, you know, how fast I'm running. Um, you know, I'm always looking for pressure signs also, but um, we're running, you know, super safe loads. So it's never, never really a, a problem. But after load development, I don't ever pull a lab radar out unless I'm having issues, um, which is basically the same as Jake. Um, and honestly, I, I've, I've chased data problems a lot less since I quit using the lab radar. Um, my process before a match is I, I will load, um, I either take leftover ammo from the last match or I'll load some fresh ammo up and I'll go out. Um, after load development, I don't ever hardly shoot at 100 yards anymore either, unless something's acting real strange. Um, I'll start it, I've got a 350 yard target. I'll dial my dope for that. It's usually one three or one four, somewhere right in there. And if I'm hitting the center of that plate, I know my zero is good. So um, we don't ever shoot 100 yards in a match unless it's, you know, the Atlas, uh, B&T Atlas Challenge, um, which granted I've never won. So take that with a grain of salt, I suppose. But uh, um, yeah, if my 350 yard dope is lined up, I know my zero is good. From that point, I go to 600. Um, that's where I'm checking speed. You know, the big thing here that I will stress is that the bullet doesn't lie. It doesn't matter if your chronograph says one thing and you true out your velocity and it says another. If your dope lines up at 350 yards and your dope lines up at 600 yards, your zero and your speed is good. Um, after that, after 800 yards on out to 1,000 or farther, it's going to be a BC thing. 
Um, I use geoballistics. I'm, I'm doing that because I have the downrange solicit downrange systems data board, um, which is a fancy thing that keeps me from having to write a whole bunch during a match. Um, but I don't, I mean, I select the bullet out of the geoballistics library. Um, I'm shooting 105 hybrids right now. I use that BC. I true up speed and make sure my zero is good and it runs. And generally after load development, I don't ever touch um, speed or um, BC. Uh, it just, I just don't have to, to have to ever change it anymore. Um, I run the barrels 2000 rounds and pull them whether they're shooting it or not. Um, it's just not worth it, you know, going to these two day matches as expensive as, you know, fuel travel, uh, lodging, all that stuff. I don't, I don't push barrels very far at all. Um, so that's, that's my system three, six. And, you know, we, we, Jake and I, we always shoot at the check-in day just to be sure, um, three, six, a thousand, nine hundred, even eight hundred, eleven hundred. We'll shoot out that far. The big ones are three and six for me. Um, that for one that, that gets my zero, my speed hasn't changed. I mean, those are the big things. Cause if your, your barrel dumps on a Friday at a match, I mean, you're kind of, you know, what do you do? You gotta, you gotta adjust and <laughs> you got to, uh, change the, uh, all your stuff and hopefully make it run for the weekend. But, um, I just, you know, running good quality barrels, you don't, we kind of know what to expect in 2000 rounds on a BRA. Never, never going to give me a problem. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> You're obviously wanting good components, pretty good, uh, gunsmith. Works <laughs> He's obviously spun some winning barrels, so yeah, <laughs> he, he can definitely do that. But yeah, so I, I kind of swapped what you guys are doing now after uh, I had some issues and I still don't know what they were. It's a different barrel, but at the uh, puncher match, we were all shooting together and I had some, I don't know, I was two or three tenths off on a couple deals. And I was asking you guys and we went up there and I think Jake was really helping me out. I shot, shot at 100 off to the side, and my data was low, or my, my zero was two or three tenths low, and I was two or three tenths low at like 875 or whatever that one big target was. So, yeah, you guys were kind of chattering back and forth and asking me what was going on. And uh, so, well, that's got to be your zero. So, bring your zero up. So, I brought my zero up and cleaned the next, cleaned the, the windows out of the Connex. Otherwise, that would have been off because that was two different targets at two different uh, distances. So, yeah, you guys obviously knew what you're talking about. So I was like, all right. I mean, and I I learned the same way you guys learned that that process, but I just hadn't been using it. I've been laying down, like I think probably the majority of people in PRS do, like at least I'd, I'd say the majority. The top 100, 200 people are probably doing it this way, at least the top. The guys that are winning are doing it this way. But, yeah, I started checking just speed without my lab radar at 600, like he's talking about, check it at 300 and then check my form factor because I run the Ford off too, at <clears throat> eight or nine, whatever I can shoot at, at the range that I shoot out at STC. And I, like we was talking about before, I, I really don't ever carry my lab radar with me anymore. Other than kind of like you do, Greg, 
once I get 100 rounds or 150 rounds, I'm just kind of checking speed to see where that barrel's at. But I took it out with me the other day and was checking it before we went to Magnolia. And I think my my speed was like, like 2775. I'm not running it hard at all. Mm-hmm. But my And that's what everything checked out at. But then uh, my lab radar set up right beside it, like I always do, was running like 2740, 2750. So that obviously would have thrown me off if I would have went off that, especially when we were shooting some of those 800, 900, the few that we shot at Magnolia. Yeah, so Jake kind of went over that a little bit. Um, if you're, if you, let's say you go to a match and you're shooting uh, three, six, 900 or 1,000, whatever your distances are available. If you're, if you're running a 10th high on all of them, it's not a, it's not a data issue. It's a zero issue. If you, you know, a 10th high at 350, two tenths high at 600, and three tenths high at, you know, 900 or 1,000, then you've got a, either a speed issue or a combination of speed and maybe your BC or your axial form factor is a touch off. But um, that's the, essentially the general rule that we kind of follow anymore is, if, you know, if everything's the same, same level of wrong at each distance, it's a zero issue. Yeah. Um, yeah that's- you know, don't go in there changing all of your BC and your speed and you may get it lined up on check-in day and I guarantee you the next day you're going to have a bad time. Greg and I have seen this in so many matches. We go to all these guys and I do. I'll go over when I get to a match and I'll go, I'll go hit that zero board and I'll see where that's at. And I just stick a metal note there. You know, don't get don't get like hit dead center on that zero. You don't care where your hundred yard zero is. We're not going to shoot a hundred yard target. Make sure your data's lining up and, and who cares where that zero is. Like I said before, the only thing, the only reason I go to the zero board is to check my windage. I want that wind lining up, you know, on, on the line or, you know, you're going to be within a half a tenth one way or the other, as close as you can get. You might be dead on, but you're going to be within a half tenth left or right. It's as close as you can get. So, I, you know, I don't care where that zero is at elevation-wise, just as long as that data is running true. And I see so many of these new guys or or – or less experienced shooters, that's the first thing they do when they go to a match is they go to that zero board and they're changing their zeros and, well, that's fine. But, you know, that first stage, that first stage might be detrimental. And I, you might take a two on that first stage because you're two tenths low, three tenths low, or three tenths high, two tenths high. Well, you just changed your whole data spectrum on that. Yeah. That- yeah, see, that's, I think my gun's been shooting a lot better since I started doing it this way. And it's basically just been like halfway through this last barrel. Like it's only been a couple months, but it's been, when you talk about a barrel hammer, and this one here lately for me has been straight on. So, well, and Greg, we went, <clears throat> we went to Magnolia and did the check in day, and we both shot what? A dozen rounds max. Yeah. I, you know, I take 250 rounds to a match, and honestly, it's probably too much anymore because check-in day, unless, you know, something's just gone terribly wrong on the trip down, it's usually, you know, 8 to, you know, 15 or 20 rounds, 10, 15, 20 rounds is all we run because you run it, I run at 300, 
And I send a couple shots there and I run a couple shots at 600 and I may play around out at the long distance ones to see how it's grouping out. And I mean, what else, what more can you ask for it if it's going to put small little groups together at all three of those distances? Cause everywhere in between is going to be the same. Yeah. Yeah. I should have shot the mover a little bit of Magnolia, but we can get into that some other time. <laughs> and mover. Well, anytime you can practice on a mover, I would probably do it. I'm, I'm, I don't follow my own little tip there because you just don't get to shoot movers very often. So, yeah. <clears throat> we probably ought to make a trip out to Steve's and hammer on that mover before gap grind. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a smart move. On yeah. Order. You guys might be seeing what three, three movers again, like we did. Yeah. The call us match. Maybe even four if he's, if they're changing on that. Uh, oh, the. 1100 yard range or whatever it is. Yeah, it looks like they're putting in a lot of work on one of those. Yeah, they took a little sections. So, yeah. no, that's, you know, I, I do movers a little different, anyways. So, yeah. So, how often, so you're doing that at home, you're obviously you're doing it the Friday before. How often are you guys cleaning your barrel and what, do you, what are you guys doing after that? I've actually started cleaning mine a little more often. Just, you know, probably after a two-day match, if I shoot it one day in a two-day match, I'll clean. Um, the, the, bare, the bare metal issue, I don't go clear the bare metal. You're asking a lot. You're, then you're getting into polishing compounds. You know, I mean, it's pretty heavy abrasives in my book. But, Get rid of get rid of a lot of the carbon. Get rid of the a lot of the copper fouling, and then go out and refoul, and then practice about twenty rounds on that barrel. Make sure everything's running right. You know, true up, and that's that's kind of my cleaning regimen. But just just going with some Bortec cleaners, some eliminator and carbon remover. Nothing nothing major. I don't go down to bare metal by any means, but. I think it's, I haven't proven it yet when my own mind, whether that helps the throat erosion or not, or helps you get a little more longevity out of a barrel. I haven't, I haven't came to that conclusion because Greg will probably vouch for me. We've been pretty hard on stuff before where it's, yeah, it's like, oh man, I hate to clean this thing. It's shooting so good. <laughs> Greg. Uh, Greg's kind of still that way. I'm not going to speak for him, but I, I have started cleaning a little more often than I used to. It used to be about every four to 500 rounds. Now it's probably about every three. Yeah, Greg, we kind of talked about it on the on the trip. I don't know if we recorded it or not, but yeah, what's your what's your cleaning routine there, Greg? Uh, well, uh, it's not very technical. It's probably not. Some people would probably cringe a little bit. Um, uh, Jake's a little bit more detailed when it comes to that stuff. But I, I mean, if I remember to clean it, I'll clean it. <laughs> yeah. Is now for like my month of August, I shot four two-day matches and I cleaned it in the middle of the four. So every two matches, I'm figuring I'm putting uh, at least 400 rounds on, probably closer to 500 rounds on. Um, I do just Bortec Eliminator. I follow the directions on the back. 
I don't do anything special. When when that process is done, I consider it clean. I don't stick a bore scope down and I don't do anything fancy. And uh, my my rifle, I, I can never blame missed shots on my rifle not being clean or you know any barrel issues. So um, I just I haven't found a reason to do any more. Ever just hasn't hasn't affected me. I'd rather. I'd rather go shoot more than spend time reloading. And uh, I was actually uh, doing a little research on some cleaning, cleaning and break-in issues here recently. Um, the actual machining with whether you're using uh, button rifling, a five-R machine, the whole deal is once you hand lap that barrel. When you have hand lap a barrel of a bore, that that's taken all those machine grooves out that would be crossways with the rifling that would that would hang up any kind of copper fouling or the majority of copper fouling. Usually the only part after that, after you've hand lapped a barrel, usually the only part you've got to worry about is the actual throat of of the, the bore. And the reason for that, which makes sense, is when you're, when you're spinning a barrel, that is the only sideways groove, sideways grooves you're putting back into that bore. Because when you're hand lapping a barrel, that's going with the bore, with the twist rate of your rifling. And then you, you put this chamber in here and the first thing that bullet hits is is your actual going through your freeboard when all that copper gas okay when you fire that now that's like a copper plasma it's so hot everything's heating up so hot it's like a plasma and it, and it actually causes that uh the copper jacket part of that copper jacket to actually turns to a gas it's so hot now you're what you're doing is you're building all that copper is so hot right there in the throat of that that rifle that is the most detrimental part and that's why break-in is so important <clears throat> on a rifle is to get those get those crossways grooves that you've machined into that that freebore and until you get back to a full land that's where your break-in process is crucial because that's what helps that bore or helps that free bore keep from copper fouling is getting all those, that, those machine imperfections out of that. So when, as you're firing that, you're getting, you're, you're actually polishing that, that uh, free bore portion of that. And that's where, when you're burning your free bore out of that, and burning those lands and grooves and increasing that free bore, that's what causes all the issues with a rifle starting to go bad and losing their accuracy. That's the biggest accuracy loss. So if you polish that out to where that's not catching all that copper when you're breaking that barrel in, that's the importance of a barrel break-in. And that's why you need to 
need to break those barrels in properly so it's not catching all that copper. It's polished that freebore portion of that. And once you're not catching any copper in that, it, that freebore is going to last so much longer in that rifle. Instead of building all that copper up, you've got all that more friction in your freebore, and then there's more pressure. There's I think that's a lot of guys' pressure issues with stuff like that. They're not doing a proper break-in. Yeah, I, I, I've never heard it explained like that, but that definitely makes sense. I, I'm kind of, on the cleaning piece, I'm kind of like you are, Jake. I clean every a two-day and probably a one-day, so I clean every 300, 350 or so. I've been using these little, oh, little pellets that I found out about on Miles to Matches, the way they, they were cleaning their stuff. Instead of running a patch, I run these little pellets. I could get the name of them. And they're caliber specific, but it acts kind of like, it's not as, I don't think it's as harsh as a brush, but it really fits into the, the lands and grooves and can scrub for you. So I don't run a copper brush or a nylon brush anymore, but I use that. But that's, I use a camera and I concentrate the majority of it because that's where I see the majority of the carbon is right there at the lands and grooves, right where they start, right in that freeboard. I kind of get at it right there with those little pellets. These guys, these guys with this, um, they're talking carbon rings, they're talking pressure signs, they're this, they're that. I don't, I'd be real interested. Most of the guys that I shoot with, most of the guys that I, I do barrels for are all shooting a BR base. They're probably 99% of them probably 90% are running Bargain. They're either running Bargain or 4895 or 4350 Hodgkin powders. I haven't seen any trouble with these guys with carbon rings, pressure signs building up, uh, you know, right through the, right through the throat and into the lands, you know, an inch up there. I just, I don't, I don't fully understand the carbon ring because I've never had any issues with that. When you get into carbon rings, I'm wondering if it's not a barrel break-in procedure or a dirty powder issue, you know, running a dirtier powder. I, you know, a cleaning issue. I, where, guy, where guys start talking carbon rings and, and cleaning, I, you know, I've, I've never seen an issue of not uh, even not cleaning a rifle. I mean, I've ran rifles clear from, you know, after I broke them in and not seeing any carbon buildup in that, or excuse me, copper buildup in after running that rifle through a break-in procedure and never clean it again through the life of that barrel and still, you know, still shooting good at 2,000 or 2,200 rounds. Well, but I get suspect. I don't want a barrel going down in a match. So I'm just like, Greg, if I'm gonna, I, I don't even want to hit 2,000 out of match. If I'm gonna hit 2,000 to match or 2,100, I'll, I'll put it, I'll get a new one broke in before that because I'm not gonna travel hours and hours and invest my time and money in something that might be, you know, a failure on my part, just lack of, lack of due diligence. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so you bring me to, to ask what's your, uh... Your break-in proceed. What do you use for break-in, or how do you break in barrel? I'll run. I'll run one shot and clean, and I'll do that three times, and then I'll go three shots and I'll clean, 
and then I'll do five shots and clean. And I want to see how much copper I'm pulling back out of it after that fifth, out of that five round group. If I think there's a lot of copper, I'm going to drop back down to a three round group. I'm going to run three again and I'm going to clean. And you'll get a feel for that. If you're, I use Bortec Eliminator and that's all I'm doing is I'm removing copper out of that. And until after a five round string, I'm seeing very little copper. That's when I'll quit breaking that barrel in and I'll run it. Are you using a brush or a patch? I use patches on, patches only at break in. Now when I'm cleaning all, I use nylon brush. Yeah. How about you, Greg? Do you do the break in? Just broke in one today. So um, I, man, I, I haven't ever, man, I run Bartlett barrels and I've never had one not break in well um, yet. I'm not saying it's not possible, but um, my process here lately has been one shot clean, two shots clean, three shots clean four shots clean and then I send the last five down it so it's a 15 shot break in um the last five shots I send down it and I don't clean after that simply because um for me it's a time deal um I can do that break in process in about an hour but I don't ever want I don't ever stick a rifle back in the safe with cleaning compound back in it I always go out and shoot it and get it completely dried out and completely cleaned out. I don't want the brake full of, um, you know, Bortec Eliminator. Um, it's just, you know, that stuff will drain all the way back down your barrel and then you've got crud in your action and it's, you know, you net, then if you don't dry patch it out after that, then you might have pressure issues and yeah, I just, I just don't do that. But uh, um, yeah, I, I use, what it says on the back of the Bortec Eliminator bottle. I use three wet patches, uh, brush it, three more wet patches, and let it sit for three to five minutes, and then I dry patch it out. Um, generally, by the time I get to the four shots, it takes it takes less than five patches to get it cleaned out, and I'm not getting hardly – yeah, for first patch may have a tinge of uh, – copper on it but I mean every patch after that is basically clean I'm just making sure it's dry so I don't I'm as far as cleaning rifles I'm probably not the most scientific or I, I just need to get it out of my way so I can go back to you know either get ready for the next match but um, as far as carbon rings and all that stuff I believe that your powder selection makes a very large uh impact on that um not speaking negatively of any powders there's just dirtier powders out there um i use almost exclusively Varget in my match rifle um or i haven't tried anything else in a few years now and i i don't i can't say i've ever had a carbon ring i just you know where where, where is it going to happen it's not going to happen at home on a thursday night before match it's going to happen midday through day two and you're you know, shooting well, and then all of a sudden you've got an issue. And a lot of what we do is just to prevent that. Yeah. So how many, <clears throat> talk about barrel breaking, how many uh, rounds you guys put on a barrel before you start or just check load development? I mean, we're all running the same stuff over and over and over again, so really load development 
isn't a whole lot anymore, but how many rounds are you putting on before you're comfortable checking speed and calling it good to go? I'll, I'll usually practice with a barrel for 150 rounds, and then I'll start low development. And then your low development, though, is what? You're, on, you're a couple tenths off probably from your last yeah. time at that? Yeah, most usually, unless I'm switching brands. I run Bartlett. I run Proof. I, I just spun up a Hawk Hill. or to try one of their barrels just to see what's going on over there. And uh, just, just got 150 rounds on it. I haven't chronoed it. Don't even know where I'm going to start on it. So, you know, I, I can't say one way or the other on that. But, but Proofs and Bartlands, they're, they're pretty comparable, you know, with a couple tents. How about you, Greg? Yeah, so Jake does a little bit more experimenting there. I pretty much haven't changed anything in a couple of years now. But, uh, um, yeah, I just – I run my – I'm sorry, I forgot the question. What'd you ask me? How many rounds are you running on before you oh, call sorry. Them? Yeah. We'll delete that part. Sorry, I'm, it's Friday. Should, no, you're good. Should be drinking beer right now. But uh, 200 rounds. I don't I don't cut it short. I run it 200 rounds every single time. Um, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason why I do that. It just uh, it's where I go to. Some people will tell you that, oh, you have to get to at least 160. Some people, oh, you better go to 180. Well, I just go to 200, and then there's no doubt in my mind that it's done settled out. Um, generally, I will clean it at that point and then run another, or I might clean it at 180 and then run another 20 down it and then run load development, start load development. Um, I, don't, I don't do load development on a cleaned barrel because yeah. uh, that's not the conditions I'm shooting in a match. So right there. Well, I think that really covers it. Unless you guys like, forget anything I was talking about. Um, anything else? The process. Were we going to, do you want to go over some of that? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that was one of the things you wanted to talk about was the, uh, yeah, just the process building up to a match. Is that what you're talking about? Well, or did you want to do any pre-stage stuff or was it just – Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah. I sent that message out. Yeah. What a – yeah, what is your your process walking up getting ready pre-game basically? Well, we like to eat steaks before uh, – before a match for sure. Uh, Friday night's usually steak night before a match or um, – Oftentimes here, we've been spending quite a bit of time doing the, um, you know, the gatherings and stuff at a match. But um, if there's a good steakhouse around, we'll go find that. I know, like, down at uh, Punisher, we like to go to the casino and eat the steaks there. They're pretty good. Um, but other than that, I mean, neither one of us are staying up late Friday night. Um pretty much get back kind of settle down a little bit and then we all hit the hit the hay but um for me well you got anything to add to that jake uh, i mean that's pretty much the regimen we go through so you know it's no i guess you know we don't do anything out of our normal daily life we don't do anything exceptional to change anything out of our normal lives 
just going into a match, I want to feel totally normal. Like I didn't, you know, these guys going going out drinking and, and partying it up and, hey, we're going to see all our buddies and stuff. We'll see them at the banquet too. So I don't, you know, you don't want to go into one of these matches nursing a hangover for dang sure. Not that we haven't done it. We just know better. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it, but we learn from it. <coughs> and, you know, to, if we're, if we're trying to compete at a national level, we don't, we don't want to be that guy. We're going down, we're going on the road to compete and we're serious about it. That's, that's what we want to do. We want to have fun just like every other guy does, but we're, we're serious about this sport. We take it seriously and, and we want to, we want to compete and compete well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, there's definitely a point. The stakes was Chris will attest to it. And he's told the story on here, but eating Mexican at the Raton before the finale is not a good idea the night before day one, because it hit him like a ton of bricks. It was not good for him. So yeah, like you guys talk about just keeping it normal. That's why I like going with you guys because I'm not a great big drinker anyway. So there's not a bunch of drinking night before, you know, before day one or even before day two, like, like you're saying, I might have a beer or two when we're sitting around waiting for the uh, awards to be given out or mentioned. But yeah, I'm, like you're saying, there's a whole lot of money on the, not really on the line. There's money being spent on my behalf. I'm not sponsored by anybody, and you guys really, really aren't either. So I mean, we're spending all our own money getting out there doing all this stuff. So trying to make it worthwhile. You know, we're, we're spending we're spending time away from our families, and and don't get me wrong. I'll have a beer, I'll have a drink, you know, in the evening, you know, to at a at a meal or something. But we're, you know, we're not out there. We're not going clubbing. We're not sitting around just getting a hammered, sitting around with the boys and all that. I mean, I'm not a party pooper, but I'm not a big partier when when we're on the road and trying to compete at these matches. I just I'm just trying to better myself and 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 want to do as good as I can. And I know that that hinders your your performance. So you know, it's not a it's not a big priority when I'm on the road and we're we're trying to beat I mean even all season long I'm not now after finale me and Greg we might we, we, we tied one on well we would have tied a bigger one on last year dang lights went out yeah I was pretty disappointed about that yeah you showed me a pretty good trick there at the uh at the bar filling up a glass of soda and a glass a glass of liquor that's a pretty good trick there yeah I trust me I get it on with the best of them but, you know, when lights go out, we get cut short. That kind of put a damper on our plans at the finale. Yeah. 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 I'd, being in the military going on some of these deployments in kind of the same way, you see some of these people get snake bit. They're out away from the family, and they're going to party. It. Deployment is one thing. This, I'm spending all my money, and you're getting up to hundreds to even $1,000 for a weekend. Like you guys, I'm trying to make it make it worthwhile. Well, trust me, I've worked on the road since I was 24, 24, 20. So going on, you know, 26 years of doing that. And I tell you what, I'm kind of over that, you know, going on the road, get out with the boys, let's go, let's go have us a shindig. Well, then I'm kind of over them days. Yeah. <laughs> it don't happen very often anymore. Yeah, yeah, 
<clears throat> I think that's one of the good things. You find people you like to shoot with, and you all pretty much have everything and, you know, the majority of whatever you're doing in common home life as well. I think it's just kind of you, you group up with people that, that are more like yourselves, you know. Yep. I tell you what, and I really appreciate all the guys around me, all the people that have gave me a chance to build them a rifle, all the all the people that sh we shoot with consistently at these matches. We're always trying to squat up together. We, we've got a good group of guys. We all get along. And it's a group of guys that we can have fun around, but we know when times are serious and help each other out and through some hard times. You know, going going through this data and stuff on these rifles, you know, not everything stays perfect. I mean, little things can kick in, little things can happen. If you got a little support team there to help you out to keep you calm, and that's a big part of this, you got to be able to adjust and adjust on the fly some days at these matches, and that's that's big when you got a support group right there with you. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Just like that story I was telling you guys. Halfway through the day, I'm starting to freak out, and you guys kind of got me back on track, helping with that zero. So yeah, I, yeah, it's just like a whole other family, if you ask me. Well, uh, it's a good time, and and I've noticed when I break out the readers, it's time to get serious. It's all <laughs> yeah. serious after that. So. <laughs> we know it's game time then. That's right. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as Friday night, I don't – Jake does it a little bit different than I do. He he sits down and writes out his dope cards. I don't. Um, of course, I'm using a little bit different system. But I'll read over the matchbook a couple times. But until I'm on the stage and I can see targets, I don't – I don't – I don't put too much worry in it. A lot of time I'll look at distances, see how far we're shooting. Um, I'll go see where the – you know, where we – think we may be starting compared to you know how are we lined up with some long distance stages I'll probably focus a little bit more on the first stage and really read it over so I have a good idea going into the you know the first stage of the day but come Saturday morning um, I'm I like to be up two hours before the match at least um, I take a shower in the morning um, it's just Pretty much the same thing I do at home. Um, that was a tip that uh, Clay Blackadder gave me as far as, you know, feeling awake for the first stage of the match. Um, I also don't – I don't drink energy drinks at home, so I don't cram a whole bunch of caffeine into my gut right before we try and go and hold still. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's – it's a, you get breakfast, you wake up, I'm, by the time we get there, I'm ready to go get stuff out of the truck, walk to the stage, and at that point, I, you start the day of being on glass, and we spend a lot of time on glass. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a good point. I like, to, <clears throat> I like to make my cards out the night before. I, I set it, my, my stages up in my, my Ford Off app. For me, I think it works out better for me that way, because I, you know, I'm spending more time on glass. I'm not writing stuff down and doing all that. It just gives me more time on glass, kind of get focused. So, yeah, you got to find your own routine, whatever whatever works best. You, get, you use your little etching sketch deal. I don't know if I'd be able to use that. I got to write little all sorts of little notes, diagrams. Uh, and I'll, notes I'll take time to explain that downrange solutions deal. So I use geoballistics. 
and downrange solutions, you call it an Etch-a-Sketch and it pretty much works the same way. Um, the, the same technology that you have on your phone that allows you to pay in a convenience store is the same technology it's using to print basically a digital data card onto my wrist. So the nice part about that is, and the reason I like to use it is if we have a massive wind change in wind angle, I can tag that new angle and put it on my, my arm board without having a second data card there or anything like that or having to remake one in a matter of seconds. So that's the reason I did that. Um, Geoballistics, I'm on their, um, their, oh, I'm part of a, a group of guys that are kind of testing out this, this technology. Um, it gives me two wind calls. I know that's not enough wind, wind columns for, for everybody out there. Well, I used to write down five, but I've found that um, when I'm on a stage, I don't ever look at my wind data anyway. It's, it's all on the fly, and especially 90-second stages. Sometimes you don't have the time to stop and, you know, really go, go through that. But, no, nope, I don't – I'll read through the, read through the match – matchbook Friday night and that's that's about all I do make sure all my all my everything that's in my that I need in my pack is there we'll double check that I mean obviously if I left it at home it's not going to do me any good then but so yeah yeah and then we usually get in there that day one what out 45 minutes an hour before Safety brief yeah. and like you said, kind of checking, getting your stuff out, setting it out. Well, we talked about Magnolia. We get we got our guns out early, let them kind of get acclimated. Just, it was yeah. Nice. So we came out of the hotel rooms and it was, you know, I I think I had my hotel room set at about sixty five and slept like a little baby. But your gun is also that temperature after you know eight hours of being in there. Your ammo is that temperature. Your binos, pretty much all your gear is at you know that sixty five degrees. And you walk out into a nice muggy, you know eighty degrees and one hundred percent humidity, and it's instantly the whole gun's fogged up. It's wet basically. Um, so giving it that extra time, you know, sit in the back of a truck um, and acclimate. It makes it so you're not fighting a, a foggy scope on that first stage, uh, which, man, if we can if we can put our stuff in the back of the truck, if we've got a bit of a drive to the match, you just put it in the back, and by the time you're there, everything's the same temperature as the outside. So, um, yeah, it uh, it matters doing those those all those little things help. Yeah. <clears throat> about you, Jake? Got anything to add to that? Uh, I think. I mean, I pretty much do a lot of the same stuff as Greg, like he touched base. I do a little more prep work the night before, um, sitting around a motel or Airbnb. We do a lot of Airbnbs, but I run the Hornady Ford Off app on my phone, and then I've got the add-on uh, range cards. It's 99 cents. If you're, if you're running the Ford Off, I highly recommend it to shooters. They're shooting matches. I can sit there. I can make out 20 stages of this match or however many stages you have. You can get all your distances in there for every stage, make sure they're in there correctly. And then I make out all my uh, note cards for my wrist coach. I don't want to be in a hurry to have to do that just because I notoriously make mistakes. 
I just I just want to have those out of the way, out of the way and done. Um, that way, when I get on stage, I'm immediately on glass. I don't have to worry about yardages, writing these down, getting my getting my port off lined out. It's all there. I just got to set my wind direction and update my you know I update my kestrel data to that for my weather in the morning and then again about noon and you know just take all the worries and all the all the book work out of it because I don't I don't need to make a, a clerical mistake when I'm on a stage trying to trying to rush you know I, I usually write out three wind columns or four depending on what the wind's doing uh, if it was back and forth like it was at impact that was a tough first day just trying to get that figured out um, never really did get it figured out that first day it was just so back and forth of which way you're gonna hold those are those are the toughest matches for me when you got a little snaky wind headwind or you know right in front of you or behind you and there's not much you can do about that but take take a peek out at every shot you know, but that's that's pretty tough to make out wind columns for some a day like that. So you got to make those on make those adjustments on the fly, and you got to be able to make those adjustments on the fly in this game anymore. It's just it's that competitive. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, you know, difference in the top ten and the top forty. Whether you can make those wind calls on the fly, those headwinds, tailwinds, they're 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 tough winds and. Nothing a guy can do about that except for more practice and just looking and following the process of every shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I set mine up the same way as you do. I put in my Ford off, make my wrist coach, all that stuff the night before, just less I'm doing, trying to do right before stage. But, yeah, you guys, this first day of impact, I I was jealous I missed the match. And then after seeing it day one, I kind of felt better about staying home with the family because it looked rough. But you guys both both of you guys battled back day two big time. You guys jumped up quite a few spots, both of you. So you guys really really uh battled on day two. That's pretty that's pretty cool. See you guys jump way up there on, on day two and sit up there pretty well. I don't know how those guys did it on day one. Some of them look like dropped single digits or just into double digits. I don't I don't know. They had some that was a that was a tough day one at that match for me for sure. Um, you know, I you know, and Bushman Bushman was in our squad. I, I mean, he shot well, shot really well, but he didn't shoot good enough to be sitting in first place. Yeah. And you know, we discussed that that evening, and he, you know, it's it was a tough win day. He 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 admitted a couple times, you know, there's some stages that he got win lucky on. <coughs> win just held for him. Good Lord, I'd be on one side of the plate, off one side of the plate. Next shot, I'd be off the other side of the plate, making corrections all over the place. And it's, you know, just trying, you just got to keep battling at it, keep fighting it. And then day two, everything kind of worked out for me and, and jumped back a bunch of spots. So you just, just got to keep fighting it. Yeah. Greg, you jumped up a bunch of spots too, so it looked like you really stuck in there on day two as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a, a challenging as as far as mentally being 100% prepared. 
prepared for that match. It was the fourth two-day national match in a row, and I will be a test to the fact that I should not do that ever again. I was tired. Um, the you know, you get two stages into day one and you're trying to figure out how to get yourself to wake up and, and get to the level of focus you need to be at and you can't do it. And you just, I mean, it was downhill from there. I mean, it was, uh, it was a pretty rough day one. Uh, by far the worst I've shot in a very, very long time. Um, but still going to take a, a positive learning lesson out of that and, I need to give myself at least two or three weeks in between mat national matches um, and, you know, spend time with my family and do all that uh, stuff I need to be doing and, uh, you know, take a break here and there. Um, but, yeah, I stuck around. Um, day two was still a challenge for me to stay focused because of how far down I was. Um, actually surprised myself a little bit by how far I did come back on uh, day two. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, that match right there, I know the points weren't probably – there was such a big gap in the top five and the rest of us that the points weren't uh, – didn't amount to much for, for anybody. Um, but it just goes to show that it doesn't really matter how, how bad day one is, especially if you're shooting the same amount of stages both days, you can't give up because um, you can really – really surprise yourself and move back into a position that's very respectable or, you know, really great place to be, even even top five um, at certain matches if you stay in there, um, stay focused. Yeah, I think it really we, – we talked about it before. I've talked about it a bunch on here, but the mental piece of it, just to, yeah, after day one, not to get down, stay focused. And I think some, a couple of the matches I've shot my best matches with the least amount of mental mistakes – I think I'm more tired after that just from the mental focus and trying to stay in it the whole time than if I was go out and I wasn't having such a good day. Yeah. It's just I'm more tired, more wore out, just trying to keep, you know, keep my head in it and stay in it for, for both days. You know, Greg, Greg and I have talked about that some too, Lefty, that a lot of these matches, that depends on what stage you're on and what that wind's doing. You know, by luck of the draw, we talk, we talk, pretty extensively about that after the Oki showdown, summer showdown. Well, you get that little headwind, tailwind. Well, that mattered. That mattered quite a bit at that match. It, it, that depends on what size of targets you got going on on that stage. Well, if you got a stage full of small targets and you got this little bitty headwind switching back and forth from 1 o'clock to, you know, 11 o'clock, uh, that can be brutal on a guy. Well, then the next guy gets up there, that wind holds for him on them small targets. Or if you're on a big target stage and you got that little switchy wind right there, that those targets might hold you. Well, you get on one of them small target stages, that's it can get brutal. Oh yeah, there's a yeah, there's a big piece. Yeah, we we talked about it down there too. That there's a lot of this is just timing. It depends on where you're at and what what time if you if you got it or not. But there, there's some you know, there's some luck in this sport, and I think every every shooter out here out here every shooter in the top 25 will admit it that there is it is partial luck. Oh yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta have everything on your on your side to make it work. 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of you've got to be well prepared. There's there's better shooters some spots and, than others, but yeah, there's part of that's luck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for some luck this weekend. I'm heading out to Twin Peaks. Hope I'm thankful both of you are staying home. You guys just get your family time <laughs> in. Let me go out there and give give it a shot. Well, you go get your win, buddy. <laughs> I hope. I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see. I'll, I'll be working. You just think about me. I'll be back here slaving away as you're out right. there having a fun fun time trying to win a match. So. Well, thanks. Someone, someone's got to work around here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have anything else? What did we, did we miss anything else? Thanks for reminding me on that, Greg. I totally forgot about prep. Jake, what's your pre-stage process? You're three shooters out from shooting. What are you doing? <clears throat> no, I'm I'm making sure I know every position I'm going to get in, how I'm going to get in that position, how I'm going to get stable in that position. And then after that, it's just, just make sure you watch every bullet possible that you can possibly see. Um. What I'm going to do with wind, if wind reacts this way, that way, you know, just running that through my head. Do I try to memorize all my holds? No, not usually, unless it's, unless it's a two-target stage. I'll probably memorize those just so I don't, I'm not looking down at my data card. But just knowing all my positions, what I'm going to have to do to my rifle, whether I'm going bipod, then I'm folding that up, going to a bag, um, just knowing every single position, how I'm going to get stable on that target. Yeah, having your, having your plan. Yeah, get, get my pre-stage plan. Make, I mean, making sure my, my dope's right on my gun before I start, my mag's in, my scope caps are up. Uh, chamber flags out. Got my extra mag with me. My mag's loaded. Yeah, man, I've, I've had a bunch of those. Like, oh, shoot. Yeah. I did that at Summer Showdown, the, the one we got in the Humvee, in the back of the Humvee. I get in here, man, I'm ready to roll. Oh, crap, my mag's in my pocket. I get my mag out of my pocket, and I put it in my gun. It ain't even loaded. Oh no! Grab my spare mag, dump that mag. Grab my spare mag, and I still cleaned that stage. I can't believe it. Sure, it was man. a train wreck starting to happen. I grabbed that other mag. I was just like, "Stay calm. You got plenty of time to do this. It's just a troop line. You know, you're prone in the back of a Humvee. Just get this deal done." And, and ended up cleaning the stage, but <laughs> and got done. I just laughed at myself. Go ahead. Yeah, that could have been bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else we got? I think that's about it. I don't want to keep you guys on here too long. Get into family time. Any shout outs you guys want to give? Man, I got a shout out to John, Kyle, and Amy down at Foundation. Um, Tate over uh, Impact. You know, anytime I call down there and I need something, it's like they help me out as much as they can. They're probably the they're probably the most I'd say the most helpful companies that you know that I that I rely on in this shop and to get all this done. Andy Hawkins. 
out at out of, out of Hawkins Precision. Andy does a great job for me. I've uh, got to give him a shout out. Always helped me out. Him and Nick Depper Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, got a shout out to Greg, putting me on the board. Um, job Greg's doing, all the help that he's given me, just just product developing through my shop. You know, just making things better in here. Um, all my customers. You know, I just can't. I just can't thank them all for for giving me a chance to to at least give them a winning rifle. What they do with it after that, it's that's on them. But at least giving them something that's that's capable of winning for them. So. Yeah, you mentioned John Kyle. Shout out to him. It's his birthday today. So yeah, happy birthday. I wished him on happy birthday, and it's kind of. Kind of funny. I'm turning to five one tomorrow, so I'll have to remember John Kyle's from here on out. He's just a day before mine, so it's kind well, of. I didn't cool. realize that. Happy Happy birthday tomorrow, if I don't. Yeah, get yeah, appreciate it. How about you, Greg? Well, I'll turn it right back around. Uh, thanks to Jake. I mean, he's spun up multiple winning match barrels for me. Um, He's also been a great help on helping me understand what exactly is going on when we're doing all of that stuff. And, you know, it's one thing to hand, hand, hand me a barrel that's capable of winning, but he's actually helped me understand what exactly it takes to, to do that, which I know it's kind of a mute point, but I really appreciate it. So uh, thank you, Jake SFS customs for um, spinning up match winning barrels First two-day national match win was with the SFS Customs Barrel, so it was hammering. Um, John Kyle and Amy uh, Truitt, Foundation Stocks, Tate with Impact Actions. Um, yeah, those are the, uh, of course, Andy. Pretty much the same as Jake. You know, all those people are, are at matches. Um, they're out supporting us as shooters. Uh, you know, Amy's always taking pictures, and John Kyle's shooting and having a good time with us in squads quite a bit, so... Um, those people right there are, are the the backbone of here in the Midwest, and we really appreciate all that, that they do for the industry and um, helping us keep us going and motivated. And and this at this past match, they fed us and and you know wined and dined us a little bit, and it was a good time had by all. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I really appreciate them having us out at their place. You know. That, that was an awesome time, and, and seeing the home of Foundation was really cool. We didn't get a chance to get out to Tate's. We were just wore out. You know, I also got I got to send a shout-out to Austin Bushman. I really appreciate him with kind of mentoring me, being my mentor, and helping me out, learning wind, and, and helping me deal with a lot of pressure situations in a match. I think Austin's done a great job at that. And I, I can't thank my wife, Alicia, enough for just letting me play this stupid game that we're playing. <laughs> just, yeah. be, just being a bunch of hillbillies out here shooting bullets all over into the ground. And, you know, I'd, whether they're hit steel, hopefully they hit the steel and they're magnetic that day, but you know, just, just plowing lead into steel or dirt, you know, just letting me play this game and, and being a part of it, supporting it, keeping everything together at home. 
Yeah, but I'll throw out a shout out to Austin Bushman for making sure we don't ever take this thing too seriously. <laughs> Do you ever squad with them? And that's it's not a bad thing, Austin. It's it's helped helped us all lighten up, and we can we can handle his banter. I'll leave he's it. He's a at clown. That. He's a clown. He's a good clown, um, but he's also very full of knowledge, and he's a great resource to learn from. So it's always a great time squadding with uh, Mr. World Champ Austin Bushman. Um, congratulations to him on doing that as well. But uh, I need to shout out to my wife also. She let me go shoot four matches in a row in August, and I turned around and went on an antelope hunt the next week after that. So she's the real MVP. Um, I've got a 11-month-year-old, or excuse me, 11-month-old at home, my son Cohen, and anybody that's got kids knows that it's a pretty demanding time for that. So that's um, also another reason I'm probably not going to shoot four matches in a row ever again. It's just I need to be at home too. So shout out to my wife, Mariah. Yeah, same here. So Impact, obviously, Foundation. I'm running Hawkins stuff after having a little issue with another with another brand. Haven't had any issues with, with Impact. I picked up a cert that <clears throat> I just posted pictures of my hunting rifle. Picked up a cert for Hawkins after running all my comp stuff running their lighter stuff on my hunting rifle. And uh, Tyler, he's, he's spinning my barrels, another one of the Kansas gunsmith. I don't think you can go wrong with, with any of them. And, uh, and who else? Intex Cut uh, Construction, they're one of the folks that kind of helped me out. They've some, some good good folks that that uh, been helping me. One of Amber's clients and got in good with them. Own a construction company, I like to help people out, so. That was real cool, Austin and Aubrey. So if you're looking for anything from any construction around here, in fact, I think I shared one of their deals on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, they're looking for some help. Pretty cool company to work for. But yeah, I was going to mention Austin. He he definitely uh, keeps it light. I've shot with him a couple times now. He'll make sure you aren't taking it serious. That's for sure. But yeah, like you said, it, <clears throat> I haven't ever asked him a question and he give me a cold shoulder. Shoulder, you know, he always helped me out, telling me what's going on or why he did what he did. So it's pretty cool to obviously see that from the top guy, let alone the world champ. So yeah, I'll to tag it, tag him on here. Yeah, that was kind of funny after impact match. He, you know, he, the scores come out and he goes, man, Jake, you really shot well. I didn't realize you shot that good on day two. And I said, well, I guess, you know, you're world champion now. You just you know, you don't pay attention to anybody else but yourself. So, I'll see how you <laughs> he ain't worried about the small guys now, is he? Yeah. <laughs> we always have a good time with Austin. You got to give it right back to him because if you don't get started on him, he's going to start on you. So, yeah, you got to get your first, first dig in. Yeah. That's good time. All right, fellas. Unless I forgot something, let you guys get off here and get back to the families. But I appreciate you guys coming on and giving. Give him some intel. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lefty. All right, fellas. We'll talk to you later.